In our 20s, there are lots of adulting questions and crises that we come across on a daily basis. It means you're constantly looking for new opportunities, taking care of your mental health and life balance. means you're questioning things like, do I really enjoy being an adult? Does it matter where I live? Am I happy? Is money that important? I'm Bao. I'm Mai. And in this new season, we'll share our thoughts and experiences through our journey to our late 20s. More special guests, more deep conversations. Welcome to the M22 Podcast Season 2. Hello, 20s fam. Welcome back to our podcast. We are so excited to be here with you again. And today we want to introduce our very special guest, Paula Maffei. Welcome to 22. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you. So, okay. So we're going to introduce Paula. Well, we always prefer you to introduce yourself, to have a little more background and what you prefer to highlight. So can you talk us a little bit about you? Yeah. Well, my name is, is Paula and I'm a psychologist. Well, I would like to explain why did I choose to study this career. I have a, a little brother, which is from Africa, is from Ethiopia. And uh, the first time I saw a psychologist working, it was when, when he first arrived. And uh, there were like two or three people at my home making just sure that he was okay. And it was like the first impression, it was like, oh, they are taking care of him. And, and it was like really important for me because he was uh, uh, healthy, but uh, coming from a different country and having this difficulty with, of course, with the language and uh, being so young, it was, it was my assumption that he was going to be okay. But in fact, I realized that there are so many factors that can, can affect to, to that. And uh, that's why I chose to study psychology. It was like, uh, I want to make sure that every, everybody can feel safe and healthy and not just look like he's healthy, but yeah. in, a, in a mental way. And then I decided to not to work in a, in a room like in front of a person. It was like my soul is more like social oriented. So, yeah, I would say... I was always involved in the social work and um, and now I can like I can do both I can work in front of a person and talk about their specific life but in fact I'm also working at an association so mm -hmm. it's been like a different world to to work in here That's so cool I mean for me being like that's also a really important occupation and especially like nowadays especially after the pandemic a lot of people are realizing how important it is to have, you know, people to share, but confidentially or, you know, for different things. So I think it's super cool. I'm curious because I this is kind of my first time meeting you. How long have you been in the profession and, you know, where are the different places or countries you've worked at? I've started in my career in 2016, I think. Yeah. And I studied in, in Valencia for six years more or less, mm -hmm. for six years. But I choose to, to study my career in, in English, mostly because to, in order to investigate and to make a good research, there are so many documents in English and not that much in Spanish. Yeah. So in order to fully understand psychology, I choose to, to study in, in English. Great. So what is the thing you enjoy the most about being a psychologist lately? I think it is 
not just the result, but the process you can see in your patients. Because it's like, it's, it's even exciting when you, you can not only see the result when the person is more or less okay, but you can see how they understand the process and how they value the process as well. I think that the process would be my, my answer. That's really nice to hear, especially because, well, I, I didn't say this at the beginning, but Paula has been my therapist for a while since I actually arrived a month after I arrived here in Valencia. And she has been really helpful, actually. She's my first psychologist I've ever had in my life. And it was such a nice experience. So I was talking to Mai and just thinking that we could definitely invite you to our podcast because there is so much insight and things that I sometimes, as a person, we don't consider of our personalities or like, yeah, it's just, it's just very nice to have someone that is so expert in dealing with certain topics. And that's why we come up to the idea of talking a little bit about healthy relationships. So now introducing a little bit the topic, we want to know a little bit about in your career or maybe lately, because, you know, time changes and people, people change also. What are the main concerns of people in their 20s right now in terms of friends, family or love relationships? I think and and I would like to, to connect my response with with what you said about the pandemic and mm. all of this difficult situation. I think the 20s is the time to reconnect. So when we are teenagers, we mostly look for our friends and social relationships as, as they are like neutral and, and not, not that deep. But when we start growing up, we start to look more for this kind of attachment with real people. Maybe our friends from teenagehood, we, we don't match them anymore. So we tend to look more about this attachment, but not in a, in an, not in an unhealthy way, but in a way that we are looking for something special in our relationship. It doesn't matter if we are looking for a friendship or a couple relationship. We are always looking for that sense, that meaning of why do I have to keep this person in my life or whether if maybe I, I shouldn't. Yeah, it's like the questioning side of like whether we want a person to keep a person and, and work yeah. on the relationship or not, which is actually something that we live pretty often <laughs> talking about my and I there. Yeah, I guess like in your, you know, your daily work, do you come across a lot of people in their 20s or is your you know, your um, consultancy much broader scale? And how do you find the differences between each of these age groups in terms of, you know, the struggles that they bring to you? Are there common themes across all the 20s, 30s, 40s? Or are there some slight differences that you can see across the age groups? Well, I, I would say almost all the questions that you can ask me, I would say that the the best response is it depends. Because yeah. maybe, for example, in, as I said, when you are a teenager, you are always, you are not looking for something. You just want to have a social, like a social club or something like that. So to make a group and to have like lots of friends. And then you start to be more selective and more critic. And you start to make your own judgment about who I'm with and what I want about that person or even we can ask what can I offer to that person and yeah I think the difference is the this kind of impulsivity because when we are a teenager we are not thinking about what does this person give to me we are always like yeah we we can we can be together we have fun and, and that's all and then in our 20s we start to think and to overthink yeah. <laughs> 
So um, what are some exercises talking about like this overthinking? Because we it's something that definitely we all do at any time of the day, probably every day. So what are some exercises that we can do to have a peace of mind when we just can't stop overthinking about keeping someone in our lives, about just our family being far, you know, like different contexts maybe? Well, it may sound as a cliche, but I would say mindfulness is a good way to, to start being here and now and not start to imagine and, and thinking about maybe our past or our future. So it is like there are some good exercises about meditation and, uh, and breathing exercises that help us to exactly do that, not mm -hmm. to think, but to let our brain think. Because we always tend to like mm, tend to avoid these thoughts, and in fact, they are you can't avoid them. They are there, and they are going to stay there like every every day in your life. But once you start to see them as they are as thoughts, you start to relax more. Because it's like, yeah, I don't want to avoid this to happen, but at the same time, I know it. It, it happens to me. I overthink, and maybe it's not a good thing for me to overthink now in this moment but I will let these thoughts come through and I will let them as they are thoughts okay just accepting when changing the perspective that is not pressure but just something that will come and go mm -hmm. nice that's cool maybe perhaps we could uh, do a small little exercise is there anything that we could do collectively as you know the three of us mm -hmm. and for the people that are listening that you know maybe when we're overthinking or stressing or any of that could be maybe do a little bit of it i i thought about one of my favorite exercises that and in fact it's a good way to get to fall asleep as okay. well so i used it i use it as uh, as this as a tool to sleep so it is like mm, first we need to of course we should be in our bed <laughs> or something like that <laughs> but yeah the first of all it's we close our eyes and we are going to imagine like a ball of light in our front head. So in here, we imagine we have a little light, which is really bright. And this ball is going to flow through our body. So it goes down to our nose. And this light, it's also a little bit hot. So we can feel the, the heat in, in our nose. Now this ball goes through our mouth, it goes down our body to our stomach, we let it here. We always try to focus on our breathing and we start to think about this little ball being up and down according to our movement. Then it goes up to our shoulders and goes down we can feel now the ball in our left hand we can feel it and, and even touch it then it goes up again goes through our shoulders our chest and travels to the other hand and we can now feel it in our hand the fact that we are concentrating in this ball. It doesn't mean that we don't have any more thoughts. In fact, we have them. 
maybe we can still be thinking this is a silly thing. <laughs> but in fact, we are focused on in our ball of light. And we let these thoughts to come in and come out. This could be a little version of the the exercise because it it is thought to to be yeah. with our whole body and yeah. stopping in even yeah. every muscle and but it is a good way to think about that that we can be focused in our ball of light but at the same time we are going to be thinking we can stop that mm -hmm. but it's a good way to to see, to change the perspective about these incoming thoughts yeah. Well, I feel so much more relaxed now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, just like being more conscious of mm -hmm. and being more present, I guess, somehow. Yeah. Well, now moving a little bit into the topic of healthy relationships. What are some, how can we just build like a healthy relationship first, like with ourselves? Like, what are some tips you can give in that to just not have negative thoughts, to have a healthy relationship also with our bodies and, you know, ourselves? I think. That is a good question, but a difficult one. <laughs> I think that's too difficult because we live in a society that empowers our productivity and our body, but in a physical way, not in a healthy way. Because we always tend to look at our body and to see our like mm, not good parts of us. And we don't look at them as, for example, I know some good exercise in which you need to say what are the body the parts of your body that you don't like and for example I, i'm going to give you an example when when i did that to to one of my patients he told me like he didn't like the her oh, sorry his hands and he was a musician so it was like how could you say that because yeah. we are focusing on the physical way of, of our body we are focusing on do i look pretty or not but we don't focus on how useful we can be with our with this part of your body that you think it is ugly or something like that but i think that's really difficult because of the society we always put like the eye on the bad things and we don't put it in in the practical things i'm not saying even beauty you can still hate your hands because mm. you don't like how how they can see them but you can change as well the perspective and see them as a tool as a really good tool in which in fact you are working with mm -hmm. them so yeah i think it's a tricky question because at the same time we always try to do our best to love ourselves and we can also accept that there are some parts of us that we don't like yeah and that's also a cool i mean it's a cool thing what if we all th think we are perfect that would be even boring it's like <laughs> dealing with <laughs> egos yeah <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm a little curious. So for, for you personally, when you were going through like some hard times and I'm sure like all of us, especially mm -hmm. as like women, we also have like certain insecurities with whatever it is. There's in society, like our body image, our weight or whatnot. So for you, how did you kind of overcome those things? And are there actually any practical things that you went through or you know like people that you looked up to or anything that you 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 were reading at the time that you were going through those insecurities i'm going to be like really honest i i went through anorexia when i was when i was like 15 or 14 or something like that and i think now 
I think that were the most, I don't know, the awful years of my life. But in that, in that period of time, I didn't, thought, I didn't think that. I, I thought I was pretty and I was enjoying, I, I was thin, it was like the beauty. And, and then now I see myself when I, was, when I was younger. And for me, it's just, you were so naive in, in life in general, because you were thinking and focusing your attention in your body and even more in punishing your body to fit, to fit. I don't know, society? And what about my goals? What about uh, what I really want to become? Because I don't want to become a thin person. I want to become a good psychologist. And that's different. I mean, that's a different point of view. So in fact, I, I didn't have, um, yeah, nobody to look at and, and to admire. But at the same time, it, it was a really good uh, advice for myself because it was like, why do you want to look at someone to be... Mm. To be someone else, just just don't look at someone else and look at you and em empower yourself and see what are the good things you have. But yeah, that's that's mm. difficult too. <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's for you it was more like focusing on what you actually wanted to do. And again, as the functionalities that you were talking about before, exactly. it's like a little bit switching the perspective in like, well, I, I have this. What can I do with it? Like in terms of your hands, in terms of your legs, you know, like it's hard, but sometimes we appreciate things when we don't actually have them, you know, or like when something goes wrong. And it's sad that it's a little late sometimes, but I think it's also a little bit in training our perspectives and our minds to be see it in a real more positive and functional way, I guess, right? Nice. So um, now moving a little bit more into relationship with other people, um, how can we set boundaries? With Let's start with friends, I guess, because that's also a little more... Yeah, complex. I think the first thing you need to know, it's your own boundaries. I mean, you can't set boundaries with other people if you don't even know which are your boundaries. Because, for example, for some people, that other lie to them, it's a boundary. But maybe for me, it is not. Because it's like, for me, it's a, it's, yeah, a reasonable way to, to keep a relationship. But if you don't know your boundaries, it is because... You have let them to pass like any time and you are not even conscious that you have the right to have your limits because we are sometimes for example and it happens mostly with our family we uh, we always and it's most, mostly here in spain we are like give two kisses to the grandpa give two kisses to somewhere else to meet him to meet someone and this should be our first boundary. What if I don't want to kiss that person? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a, a five yeah, I'm just a five year old girl and and I can't say no. But in fact we we are grown up as, as this. So it is really difficult to first notice that you have the right to have boundaries and then to know your own boundaries. So I I would say to set boundaries, first you need to know your boundary. And that is the most difficult part. Because then when you are strong enough to know your boundaries you're ready to set them yeah. but first you need to accept yourself to make that and yeah i would say that the first boundary becomes with with this with uh, with childhood and with you being pushed to meet people and to be mm, well smiley all the yeah, time yeah. and now when when you grow up maybe you're antisocial <laughs> so it's like yeah. it was my boundary and i didn't know that and now i know <laughs> But I feel like those boundaries change over time mm -hmm. as you, you know, meet more, more people and you're m more mature. And 
what you just said doesn't just apply to friends, but also family and also partners, obviously a different, in a different way, right? So I'm curious, like for you in terms of friendships, for example, we meet a lot of people in our life, but to call them like a friend or like a bestie or whatever, it's just very different. So how, how do you in your personal life, like, you know, uh, what does your circle of friends look like? And how do you maintain those kind of relationships with the people who you care about? I would like to answer this with a, a sentence that I learned. <laughs> and it is like, if you don't put your expectations that high with a person, then you will not let them to disappoint you. So it's like the more, the higher expectations you put on someone, the more disappointed you will get. Because it's like, we know others are not perfect and we are not as well. So I would say I would put the same expectations for others than I put to myself. Mm. So if I want someone to be at any time, at any moment, if I want to have this kind of attention like every hour, then I should offer the same. And that's when it comes the, like the truth. I wouldn't do that. I mean, it's not a, a mean way of acting. It's like maybe not selfish as well. It's like looking for, for me. Because if I don't want to pay attention to my friend 24 hours, seven days a week, maybe I shouldn't ask him or her to do that with me. So it's, I think it's more about expectations. And also we tend to focus the expectations on the other person, but we are also a very important part of our relationship because we are involved in that relationship. So moving forward with the expectations and boundaries, we have a very common thing right now, which is the red flags and green flags. Mm -hmm. So which is a really like controversial topic most of the times, because again, like perspectives and different persons think different. So it might something that is a green flag for me might be a red flag for other persons. So What are some red flags and green flags for you as a professional that you detect in romantic relationships? Like what are some things that we shouldn't allow and some things that maybe are a little controversial, but they are not as bad as calling it a red flag probably? Well, I would say the, the first thing is the control. Like it, you can know where your partner is, but in fact, it's your partner who is allowing to you to know that. You, you cannot pretend to to that this person gives you the information as this is as, as an information because when you try to control someone or when you are being controlled by someone you kind of never get this this um, pleasure time it's like you're always trying to to make sure that the other person is relaxed and kind of calm about where you are or what are you going to do and at the same time you are not relaxed and, and calm until that person shows it to you so it's like mm -hmm. it comes in in both ways it also it could also be the judgment part because mm -hmm. because you can ask for a friend or for a or for your partner to to give a, her opinion or his opinion about what you're wearing for example do i look pretty do you like it but at the same time if this opinion is not asked then you shouldn't give that opinion because okay. it's like i didn't ask for that and it is not It could be controversial because it's like, I'm saying because if you're good and, and I want you to know my opinion, it was just my opinion. Yeah, but I didn't ask that. Yeah. That would be the most controversial one. Okay, yeah, that is actually very common Like for people that are not updated in terms of like, um, yeah. you know, uh, machism. 
You know, it, I think mm-hmm. it comes a lot from the education from past years. And it's hard to deconstruct also ourselves in that way as a person and also as being a partner. So talking, focusing now on the red flags, how can we communicate a little bit better about like maybe mixing it with the boundaries we want to set and like what are the things we allow in a relationship? Just talking to my partner like, hey, I don't like you to do this. So let's don't do it. Or like how, how can we communicate in the best way that it's not bad for our partner, but also doesn't affect the relationship as a whole? I think it is not that difficult. We think it is difficult because it, it is emotional involved. So when we, when we set our boundaries or when we detect a red flag, we want to say like since mm-hmm. the very be- beginning, you, you want to say it out loud, don't do that. But we have emotions mm-hmm. and we're like, I don't want to be mean. I don't yeah. want to get this person goes away from me. And, and you're always thinking about what if the other person... No, but the first person you need to think about is yourself. Yeah. And if this is my boundary, I can say it even out loud and shouting if I want. But yeah, of course it is difficult because there are emotions involved. And in fact, emotions can yeah, like <laughs> make a big disaster or a yeah. really good quality relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it is not about the communication. It is about the step that you need to do before you communicate like empower yourself and believe that you are not going to be mean because you set a boundary you are going to be honest with yourself yeah because in the long term if you don't do actually something it's gonna affect in another way probably or like yeah just like you decide to end the relationship because you're keeping all these things to yourself and it's it's like a hard uh questioning that when should you do it or when when is the right time and sometimes i guess there's not even a right time you just sit down and you just have to do it right like Mm -hmm. I kind of want to rewind a little bit to, I guess, the expectations part and the differences between like men, women, or just like differences between people in relationships, because I feel like women, when they're, you know, they're interested in someone, they act a a certain way that's very different from how men act. And so I'm, I'm curious from your experience and your professional experience, you know, how, how do these kind of different things, how has it evolved over time? Because it also reflects a little bit of like the new dating culture where, you know, people are like, maybe I would like to say, you know, guys are afraid to commit, but then women are also afraid to commit or just things about, you know, what I need versus what you need and how it's not matching. So let's just have fun. Like this whole idea of like having fun is it's, it's like, it's true. Like we need to have fun, but like sometimes it doesn't resonate too well with us as a human being because we also, inside we want love and we want something that's constant so what are your thoughts on like the dating culture these days and you know how do we really like tackle that well i think it is mostly about education because mm-hmm. as you said it has changed but if we think about our parents for example it would be even strange for me to think about them having this dating yeah <laughs> no <laughs> but now it is it is about education because uh, and even when we talk about differences between women and, and men, we can see that. For example, I've seen some men crying about she doesn't want to be loyal to me or she doesn't want to commit. But as I'm a man and I've been educated as that, I'm not going to show this to her. But it also happens that the opposite way. I've seen so many women saying, I don't want to be with that person, but he's been my boyfriend for 10 years. So it is like, again, expectation. If we, and now it also relates with 
loyalty. I don't care if I'm not committed with, if I don't want to have a serious relationship, at least I want that kind of loyalty. If I don't want that, you, you, I mean, I don't expect you to look for that yeah. in me. Because it's like, I want you to be loyal to me, but in the same way I am to you. So I think that's difficult, but not because of just education. It's also, again, related with emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And also, um, I feel like, uh, how do I say this? But it's just really tough. Different cultures have different like ideas on what dating and eventually marriage is as well. Because I know like the dating culture in Europe, when I came here, I was like, whoa, this is very <laughs> different from, from Asia, you know, where as a society, we just have different values in terms of families as well, in terms of partners. And there are expectations. I feel like for relationships, it's impossible to go in without having certain expectations. But I think it's important, like you said, to also communicate with them some of the needs that you, you want or maybe where you are in, in like that certain period. Maybe you're, you don't want to commit yet, but you want to explore or something. It's just having that transparency, I think, is it's really important. You can have fun, but just be transparent about mm -hmm. it, right? Exactly. And always try to to let the, your partner or whoever it is in, to know it. Maybe I am creating without wanting to, to do that, that this person is creating expectations about me mm -hmm. that I'm not yeah. going to. So, so it is difficult. But the most important, I would say, is that the communication part in which I can be honest, but not just with you, also with myself. Yeah, we're actually discussing that what was last, last week, I think we were talking about like how because my is a, a little like I was upset about like the culture in here last week. And I was like, yeah, my like when I started dating my boyfriend, the first week I told him, hey, I'm not into open relationships. I'm into exclusivity. And I think that's a smart way. Yeah, I was like, yeah. and, and don't make me waste my time because I, I'm not uh, up to th that, you know. And it might sound pretty scary. Like I was like, well, if he is, gets scared, then that's mm -hmm. how it's supposed to be, you know, like, and it's not like, it sounds scary to do it. I don't know why I did it. I think it was the first time I did it. But I, I was like, if I don't do it, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna be affected if we don't have the same expectations. Yeah. And also because as you said, like we came here in Berkeley, we have a lot of students uh, from all the world. And you start hearing about, yeah, I have an open relationship and stuff. So mm -hmm. I was so scared about that, like <laughs> coming from, a, you know, like a very, I'm thinking in Spanish, but like a very conservative uh, country where that is non-negotiable for me. So you need to make sure somehow that the person you're dating wants a, at least the similar things as you're looking for, because then again, you kind of waste your time, I guess. But I'm going to say something more. Maybe he was expecting that. Yeah. Maybe he was like crossing the fingers. <laughs> was like, please tell me you want exclusivity. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 funny. But I guess it does saves a little bit of time in terms of the questioning, and also it's part of the peace of mind we were talking about. Like, the more you know what your partner wants, is the more you are calm about that you're fitting into that, and he's fitting into what what you need. Yeah. So now talking about the green flags, <laughs> I guess I, we have two sides of the coin, you know. What are some things that we mostly should consider as green flags that, that might like question us things? Because I don't want to go to the, the most basic stuff like being honest and like being loyal stuff. But like talking a little bit about the controversial side of like communication or things that we can actually question that are not bad, but might be bad for some people. I think also like context. mindset or... Yeah 
some of mm-hmm. the differences that you can't like you know just avoid like religion like culture like i don't know the previous background previous dating experience or any of that you know it's like mm-hmm. how i would say it is important to have knowledge about your partner but also to give knowledge about you to your partner because yeah. it's it's not about communication it's also about empathy and comprehension and and kind of loyalty but not in a couple way but in a in a sense that you can feel you're going to have a healthy relationship with that person i don't care if it's a friend a family or something but in fact it's about knowledge if i know this i don't know for example a topic that you want to discuss if i know it is difficult for you i will i will approach it different different way that that if i don't know that Because maybe for me it is a normal topic to talk about or to discuss or something, as for example, religion. But what if he or she comes from a difficult situation in which they have gone through something bad related with that? And I don't know it. I can hurt their feelings. But at the same time, they can hurt my feelings because their response is going to be in a negative way. And I wouldn't be expecting that. Yeah. And I would be like a chaos, like what is happening here? <laughs> But yeah, I think green flag would be the first thing. It's knowledge and respect from mm-hmm. for the other one. Because if I know something is hurtful for you, then it shouldn't be. Yeah, it shouldn't be a pressure for you yeah. to talk about that or to share it with me or even to yeah to talk with other people. Because maybe if we are in a I don't know maybe in a group of friends, maybe if we know that this t- topic is difficult for one of them, maybe. I shouldn't come up mm-hmm. the, with this topic. Yeah. I don't care if the other 19 people are not concerned or are not hurt about that. But if there is just one people, then I should like take care. At least take care. Nice. Um, so in terms of like differences, because we come a lot to that. And I personally like I, I always talk to my and I also mentioned to you that before it was for me so easy to see differences. And say like, ah. I don't like this. Bye. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes it is pretty easy. I guess especially in your early 20s like just putting it in the in the in a timeline. Um how do we actually or what is the most mature way to deal with differences in terms of education or just like principles, you know, or values because there are some things that for me might be wrong but for the my partner might be okay because of that context he comes from or she comes from, you know. So how can we actually approach or what is the perspective or openness we should have to this Um, differences we can detect in, on a stage of our relationships well it is difficult but not because of the differences because if we we create as mm, for example an idea about mm-hmm. this person and maybe the idea that i created about them they don't match with my 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 own idea of yeah. myself so it's yeah. like if i imagine this person it's going to be like really respectful really I don't know, empathetic. And then when the the first time you're seeing he's not being respectful, it should be a red flag. But at the same time, you use your empathy and you start thinking, okay, maybe he was, yeah, maybe he was going through something difficult. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he he had some bad knee recently. Mm -hmm. So now it's your balance. And it, it really depends on each in specific personalities because yeah. maybe my balance c- should be more like let's be empathetic and adapt mm-hmm. and maybe you others they are more like 
I don't want to know to meet more that person because yeah. I heard one thing it annoyed me and now it's my limit yeah. <laughs> I mean the next topic I kind of want to bring up is like marriage I know we're I mean we're both in our early 20s but um, I also have a lot of friends who are getting married mm-hmm. in their early 20s not just late 20s and people are getting married at different like ages stages and ages so um, how do you how do we know you know when is the right time and and like how do we like make that next step because it's a very important step especially for for me as like a a woman I'm like yeah. this is huge and I want to to make sure that I'm prepared for marriage like what are some considerations and things that I need to have because it's also it's not just love anymore it's also mm-hmm. you have to be realistic about okay you're gonna spend like hopefully a lifetime with this person their your your work your family your everything is going to change a little bit or a lot depending on you know where you are in your life your career where the location is of you and your partner and then eventually like the topic of like having kids and oh so so many things so i guess you know i guess also here like we can bring it up since the stages of a relationship you know and like the questionings you should have between each stage just like putting it in a in a Mm -hmm. timeline you know I'm going to answer you in a fast way. You are ready to get married. You've taken into account so many things. Oh, okay. So you've, th- you've thought about that mm-hmm. in a deep way. Because maybe if I know someone who is like, yeah, I want to get married and get dressed in a, in a white dress I mean, and I do be a princess. I, I, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> this is her but, question, so she's actually yeah. ready. <laughs> but yeah, in fact, if you have already considered everything because mm-hmm. you even mentioned kids so it's, yeah. it's like you've I, you've gone farther i think it is it is more about how do i know if i'm ready well if i have asked myself that many questions maybe i am ready mm. but well the di- a different thing is to to take that step forward yeah. and and do that then it is different because if you if you're ready and you think you're ready maybe you need this time to consider and to think about how it's going to change my life in if I get married. And at the same time, if you are, for example, if you are not sure about that, if you don't think it is going to be a, a good way to see your future or something like that, maybe you shouldn't. So it's like, what if we stop questioning and wondering about ourselves, whether if I'm ready or not? But start to think, okay, if I want that, I'm going to make like the pros and the cons. So let's, yeah. let's wait. How, if I do really want that, I'm sure I'm ready. Because I've considered all the different things that maybe, maybe I have been doubting about that. And that is a good thing, a good, a good thing to know when you are ready. I doubt that much. And at the end, I know I'm ready. But if I didn't even doubt about anything, it's like, okay, mm, take it seriously. (laughs) But how do you bring it up to to your partner? Because I feel like sometimes guys are scared to to take this. Or I guess like the the expectation is the guy will propose, you know, and and it's not the girl. But I'm like, well, I'm ready. So I want to have this conversation. But it's always like really hard to to bring that up. Maybe it, it could cause this relationship to go in a different direction. Or if they are ready and then you're like, oh, my gosh. I guess, you know, like we can do it now or, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. how do you do it? Maybe I should use a friend. Like okay. we also tend to look for 
this serious conversation, but maybe I can come home a day and say, well, my friend is thinking about getting married. What do you think? He's in uh-huh. his early 20s. Yeah. And just know about their opinion without implying yourself. <laughs> and then you can judge. You can say, okay, maybe he's showing her, mm, himself. Maybe scared mm-hmm. or maybe excited, but mm, immature, something yeah. like this. You can, you can see how, how this person reacts. Yeah, so in, in terms of realizing that you actually want to marry with the person you are, because it's sometimes, I guess, like knowing yourself, you know that you are what you want and if you're ready. But if the other person is not or if the other person just doesn't have, have this in mind, how do they actually get into the, um, the realization that they could do it? You know, I think it's sometimes it's a little random. Well, I'm going to talk about boys, but what I've heard from, from experiences around me is that they just... They just saw something and they realized, oh, like the idea just came up, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they just stick to it. For us, it's a little more complex, like the line of thought sometimes. So what are these like, what, what is usually like the line or the stages that um, everyone like should start to consider in which stage or like what are the, what are the surroundings of this thought? Mm-hmm. Like maybe, maybe we're ready, you know, like mm-hmm. how do you get into that? Okay, so... I'm going to answer first in a very technical way because yeah. there are like four stages in a romantic relationships. So I would say it would be in the fourth, in the last one. Because yeah. at the beginning, you're like euphoric. You have already known that person and you're well, what like... What are the first three stages? <laughs> yeah, the first stage would be like the euphoric one in okay. which you, you kind of don't know that person that much, but you're like interested. You, you want to know more. Then it comes the, the early attachment in which you decide that you consciously choose, yeah, I like that person, I want to be with that person. It doesn't matter if you want exclusivity or open, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You want that person in your life. Then it comes the crisis and the, the, the big, <laughs> the big mm, chaos. And then it comes the fourth stage in which you want that later, late attachment, in which you have already known that, that person in a good way, in the euphoric stage, and, but also in the crisis stage. So it, you kind of know all the, yeah, from, sin, from all the perspectives. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, well, how, how can you know that you are going to be with, with his or her your whole, yeah, your whole life? I would ask this question, what are you afraid of? I mean, what if you are wrong and you marry the wrong person? It doesn't, I mean, yeah, yeah you've, you've made that decision when you were sure and now you're not. Okay, let's change your decision. I mean, there's, there's of course, you, you don't want to hurt others' feelings. But at the same time, if at first I was thinking about marrying you and now we are married and now I realized and now I changed my opinion. Yeah, I, I could be wrong and now I can be right. Or even... Before, I can think I was right, but now I can change my opinion. And so why are we afraid of failing in this, in yeah. this about marriage? I mean, there's nothing that can stop us mm-hmm. to, to break this relationship. I mean, you're buried. You're not <laughs> joined together for life. Yeah. So they are, I mean, it's like the idea of getting married. It's not a fact that, I don't know, it's something you, you you can't die mm-hmm. if you 
divorce or even if you don't divorce if you finish the relationship but we are yeah we are we are always like afraid of of that because we always tend to think okay they made that decision then it has to be the the the, yeah yeah but in fact we can change our minds and and it is easier when we are when we are children Mm because we are like i don't like this boy i don't want to be (laughs) your friend (laughs) but tomorrow maybe i i won't it's it's difficult but it's true even if you're engaged you're not forced to get married like you can also change your mind which is like people don't really like that but it's completely valid if you just regret your decision somehow yeah and maybe there are some other situations in life because for example if i'm getting ready i even have a date for my wedding and then i don't know yeah 2020 starts and and the (laughs) pandemic and (laughs) so it's like okay it was not a right choice to marry this year but yet it is not a a failure i mean you've made a decision now you've changed your mind Mm -hmm. okay like life keeps going or you walk down the aisle like in half of the hollywood movies and you're like oh I don't feel like yeah. anymore. <laughs> anymore. <laughs> and your friends and families are just there like, I did not fly here just for this. <laughs> well, that would be a fun experience to see, but not to leave. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Please. Don't manifest that in your life. Come on. This has been a great conversation. I, I did not know you before this, but now I, I'm really glad we had this conversation. And it's been a lot of very different from our previous conversations in the podcast. So just to wrap up, do you have I guess, like any advice for people who are in their early 20s and their 20s in general related to, you know, any of the topics that we have today, if you could like just give them three tips on how to be a better version of themselves, anything that you may be drawing from your experience or people and clients that you've talked with, any of that for our listeners. Okay, I I would like to say like two different things. The first thing is that don't put your expectations that high not even for yourself but also not for every everyone else because the higher expectations you you put in in your life that then maybe if you fall it will be worse but at the same time i would say like the other part it is accept you can fail accept you're going to overthink you're going to have negative thoughts you're going to hate some of your parts of your body so accept it we are all humans and we do all go through this so we all have negative thoughts we all set higher and super high expectations and then we fall down and we feel like really bad but it is like this balance i i have a sentence i like really really i really like it which is life it's the same amount of smiles than than amount of tears so it it is about that it's like finding and looking for that balance not just be super happy and don't have negative thoughts because that's not reality it's to find this balance between the negative and the positive thoughts so nice it's been really really nice to have you here we're so happy that you joined us in in our podcast thank you so much we've been enjoying a lot the conversation as Mali says and also learning a lot it's really nice to to know more about you in a different way because of of course when you have therapy you don't get to actually yeah. know a little bit more of the context. So thank you so much for joining us. And well, we're glad to see what you're doing next in the couple in the next times. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode. You know, we really enjoy all of the conversations we have, but sometimes we take it, you know, in a deeper way. And we hope that season two can provide you a lot of insights into 
you know how do we navigate your 20s and even further 30s and 40s because these tips don't really just they aren't just limited to people who are in their 20s it's really life tips in general so really appreciate you being here and thank you guys for listening tune in next time see you bye bye